Oh God, how can we keep from singing if we find the truth about You? We are not unmindful. We live in a world that is cloaked in darkness. The light does not shine everywhere. A world that desperately longs, though it knows it not, to experience the truth of our Heavenly Father. How can we take that light to this dark world? Teach us, we pray, as we begin a new journey. May it be, as we have said, may we never be the same again because of this New Year journey we now embark upon through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Have you ever been contagious? I mean, really contagious. I don't think our pastoral staff will ever forget that prayer as long as we live because we were so startled by it. It happened this last May. We had the Memorial Day weekend. School's gone. You're gone. But on Tuesday, we were having a very important meeting. I'd sent a memo out to the staff, our pastors, please be there bright and early. We have an important guest coming to us all the way from St. Albans, England. And he wants to spend the day with us. He wants to talk about a satellite event uplink from London, England in October of 2003. And he'd like all of our undivided attention. So please be there. Dutifully, the pastors all showed up, sat around the conference table downstairs. One of our pastors was late. When he came dragging in, it was clear why he was late. It obviously, the Memorial Day weekend had been terribly hard on him. He did not have to make a grand exclamation as he wedged himself between two pastors. He did not have to explain. His face said it all. Now, I should say his nose said it all. It was just running voluminously. And I mean, we're already into this meeting and he's just there. He's pulling out Kleenex and they're wet and he put them in his pocket. The pocket's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And oh, I am thinking to myself, rather bemused and proud of myself for having the seat across the table from him. And I'm thinking, oh, those poor pastors who are sitting one on his right, one on his left. Oh, man. Well, it turned out to be a... a, a, a an extremely successful day for the staff, except for this particular pastor and the two pastors he sat between. Because the next day, I tell you the truth, this would be Wednesday after Memorial Day, the next day, one of our pastors comes dragging into the office, his nose is running. I see him and I go up to him and I say, you know, I bet I know where you got that. I know, I know, he said, I know. The next day, and this is, this is still the truth, the next day, <clears throat> I'll let you know when we depart from it. The next day, the other pastor sitting on the other side called in sick. Saying, she said, I can't come in. And I said to her, I said, I bet I know where you got this. She said, I know where I got it. So I go home that night. I, I am so wowed by this. This is epidemiology at its best. I have seen a disease form right in front of my eyes. An infected organism walks into our room, sits beside two of us uninfected ones, and boom, he gets infected. And so I'm explaining all this to Karen and to, to uh, Kristen over the supper table. I can't believe I got to see this happen. And of course, my wife, Karen, being a nurse, is not amused at all. And she jumps all over and says, what is the problem with you, Dwight? Why are you so hard on your staff? Why don't you ever give them time off? Time off. Why don't you tell them when you are sick, do yourself a favor and everybody else and take 24 hours off? You wouldn't have this problem. 
Well, I got to thinking, you know, she, she's right. I need to give that speech next week. So when we were all healed, we gathered together the next week. And before we had our prayer time, I managed to kind of work it in. You know, by the way, guys and lady, uh, if you ever get sick, please do, do yourself a favor. Take a day off. And by the way, you won't infect anybody else. Now, I was working, being very careful not to mention the name of the, 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 the pastor. And everybody nodded. And uh, by the way, this is the cold season. And I, I, you know, on behalf of your uh, teachers... On behalf of your classmates, on behalf of your roommate, on behalf of your employer. Really, take a day off. What is the problem? You don't, you don't need, you, you just stay at home. So when the point was clear, we all knelt down to pray in our circle. And the praying went around until it came to Oliver. Pastor Oliver, our youth pastor. And then he prayed the prayer we will never forget. He prayed, oh God, it is I, the infectious one. <laughs> At the end of prayer. You know, I love that prayer. I love that prayer. I want to tell you something. I love the one who prayed that prayer. I harbor no ill feelings toward him. He didn't get me sick. I love that prayer. You know what? I believe God loves that prayer, don't you? I believe God would love it if we prayed, Oh God, here I am. Let me be the infectious one. You know why? Because God loves to have contagious friends. Don't believe me? Open your Bible, please. Open your Bible to the book called 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's check it out. God loves to have contagious friends. Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, and by the way, while you are finding 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to bring this to your attention. In your worship bulletin this morning, there is a very attractive kind of grayish study guide for this First part of a brand new series, The Contagious Adventist, that you and I are beginning. Could you pull your worship bulletin out right now, please, and get the study guide out? Let's start filling it out together. Now, those of you who are watching on television, I want to tell you that in, in, in a moment, I'm going to give you the web address because you'll be able to get these study guides, too. Just stay watching the program right now. At the end, we'll give you the uh, web address. Our... Uh, Ushers are coming through. Hold up your hand. If you need... Okay, please stand. Ushers. And quickly move down. Just hold your hand up if you didn't get a study guide. I'd love for everybody here in the balcony as well to have a study guide. And let's go ahead and fill it out. Just hold your hand up. Our ushers will be by you in a moment. Let's take that first, uh, that first line. God loves to have... What would go in that blank? What would go in the blank? You're right. Contagious. Would you please write the word contagious? In a few moments, we'll be through and you'll have this all filled out. I hope you'll keep these. You're going to end up with eight, nine, ten of these if we just keep this series going right on into the year. And so, uh, hang on to these. We'll fill them out as we go. All right. God loves to have contagious friends. Don't believe it? Let's check it out. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Have you already found it? I'm finding it right now. Second Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to be in the New Revised Standard Version. If you didn't bring a Bible to church today, we have, the, we have the New King James Version right in front of you in the pew rack. And so you can pull it out and look these texts up. Those of you who are watching on television, we'll put the New Revised Standard Version on the screen for you in just a moment. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's begin reading in verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing Him. 
For we are the aroma of Christ to God, to those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. Verse 16, to the one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? God loves to have contagious friends. And it, it, that ought to be clear in just the first verse we read. And so go back to verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Put the pause button right there. Did you get the word always? Is it always in your translation too? Always. He always leads us in triumph. It doesn't say part of the time. It doesn't say, you know, 50% of this new year, I'm going to lead you in triumph. The other 50%, just to keep you humble, I'm going to lead you in failure. It does not read that way at all. It reads, He always leads us in triumphant procession. Now, Paul is big on metaphors, and this metaphor, oh, all of the readers in Corinth, because it's kind of a Roman city there in Greece, oh, as soon as they read this, these words in Paul's letter, boom, they see it. They don't see it out of Ben-Hur like I see it, but they see it because it's in Rome and everybody knows what happens. Have you ever seen Ben-Hur? You know, Ben-Hur. That's a wonderful story tied around the life of Jesus, the life and death of Jesus. But in Ben-Hur, you know, the uh, captive, Ben-Judah, he, Ben-Hur, is... is is captured and he becomes adopted by a Roman general. They both come back from a, from a victorious battle on the high seas and Rome has come out. And this is really true. This is what happened. The whole populace of the imperial city has come out because the triumphant, victorious general is returning. And by the way, when the generals came riding into town, it wasn't some, some sort of little whimpering little announcement. Are you kidding? They played the bands. They brought the choirs. Because in the wake and in the train of that victorious general, all the bounties, the spoils of war, the captured warriors, exotic beasts, elephants, camels, lions, and tigers, and then, and then the, 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 the entire regiments of his victorious army. And all Rome comes out. And they cheer and they shout. You know what Paul is saying is, hey guys, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it. I know you're into a new year. I just want to remind you. That wherever you go this new year, you, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in a procession of triumph and not defeat. You know what? If I would just remember that I'm in that triumphant procession, maybe I wouldn't hoist the white flag of surrender to the enemy as soon. Maybe I wouldn't throw in the moral of the spiritual towel quite as quickly. You know, I am, I am in Jesus' triumphant procession. Some of us have had a horrendous year past. And we have struggled. We have wrestled. Some of us face habits that are, that are tenacious. They will not let us go. i got good news for you. Jesus Christ, the victorious general, has already defeated the enemy on Calvary. Every sin in the human race's logbook, every habit that has ever choked or throttled a young adult or a not-so-young adult. Jesus has already taken that sin to the cross and He has nailed it there. He's victorious. You don't have to go in a procession of defeat. This year, you can follow Jesus in a triumphant procession. Now, Paul says, wow, but thanks be to God. No wonder he says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us. I love this. And through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. 
Because when those big generals, with those conquering, triumphant generals on those splendid chariots would come riding back into Rome, the priests would meet them and the, with, with huge bowls of wafting incense. The people would have their little bowls until we are told the city air of Rome was literally choked with the fragrance of this welcoming, triumphant incense. Paul says, you know what? When you follow the Lord Jesus Christ and you're in His procession of triumph, everywhere you go, there is this wafting fragrance that Jesus is the victor. He is your conqueror and you're on the winning side. I'm telling you, stay with the winning side. Stay with the triumphant general. Paul makes the point. I mean, how, talking about contagious, Paul here is describing the fragrance of Christ that is spread every where we go. Christ the victor, you know what he declares? Hey, world, universe, you see these men, you see these women, these young adults, they are my trophies and they will spread the fragrance of my victory and triumph everywhere they go. I'm telling you, universe, watch him. See her, keep an eye on her. You'll smell it where she goes, the fragrance of my victory. Calvary's victory. Oh, my. Hey, you know, I love the way the New Living Translation puts 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Take a look at this. Now, this is the New Living. I like it. But thanks be to God. Whoops, there it is again. But thanks be to God who made us His captives and leads us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, wherever we go, He uses us to tell others about the Lord and to spread the good news like a sweet perfume. I like that. To spread the good news like a sweet perfume. Because like the common cold, you can't keep perfume to yourself. Can you? Impossible. Which, of course, is one of the dilemmas I have every time I go around trying to shop for some... Oh, boy, is so Valentine's coming up? i got to get some perfume. Karen's birthday? Oh, brother, Christmas? So I go around, you know, you know how it is, fellas. you got to shop around for these, these things. And so you, you go to the counter and... Uh, you know, I've seen Karen when she puts it on. I know what to do, so I put a little there on the... <sighs> why, why did they do that? I don't know. So I go, oh, I, 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 I don't mind that one. Do you have another one? She says, yes. So, so I put, put the other... You know, I, I keep checking them out. I say, well, I can't do that one. So I try these two spots. And, and, and you know, you, you, seven, eight, nine, tw- what is it? Twelve, thirteen, fourteen fragrances. Pretty soon, all the fingers. Which it is? Which is it? What shall I buy? I don't know. The dilemma is when I come home, I walk into the front door smelling like a perfume factory. Where you been? Nowhere. I've been. You've been shopping at Kmart again for my perfume, haven't you? I smell that. Paul exclaims here in verse 14, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads every place the fragrance that comes from knowing Him. Whoa. Uh, we got to put that in our study guide. In fact, there are two lines in our study guide I would like to fill right now. They're the two lines under 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You see that? God, what would the word be that goes right there? God what? Always. Would you write the word always? I want you to live this new year with a sense of confidence in Christ. A sense of victory. You don't have to be defeated. Don't let anybody tell you, that's just, you know, 50% of the time you've got to live this way. It's just, no, come on, always. All right, and, and then the uh, second line, the fragrance that comes. We just read it. The fragrance that comes from what? 
from knowing Him. Write that in. Because that's how you get the fragrance. It isn't store but It's prayer taught. God doesn't rub it under your skin. He pours it into your heart. And if you will get alone with Jesus every day of this new year, and you open the Gospels and do like I'm doing right now in the Gospel of Mark, just one story a day, if you get alone with Jesus, I'm telling you, the, the fragrance, the perfume will saturate your life and heart so that when you can walk in out of that prayer closet, somebody go... Whoa, I know what that fragrance is. That man must have been with Jesus Christ. The fragrance that comes doesn't come from putting it on. It comes from knowing Him. You see, Christianity is contagious. The faith of Jesus is contagious. Like a common cold, like an expensive perfume. You can't keep it to yourself. It just kind of spreads. That's why God loves to have contagious friends. Just loves to have contagious friends. Which is precisely why, by the way, God grew the Christian church in the beginning the way He did. Okay, look, this is the beginning of a new semester. Okay? It only seems appropriate, faculty who are here and students, that we have a quiz. Through the miracle of modern technology, I'm going to put the quiz on that big screen and I'm going to ask you a question. Did the early Christian church have this. And then I need you, please, to help me answer the question. Let's go. Question number one. Did the early Christian church have television? Yes or no? Okay, you're right. No. Well, let's check. Maybe. Did they have radio? No. Let's put a check mark on. No. How about email? Did they have email? Oh, no. Okay. The Internet? Huh? No Internet? How can you live without the Internet? No Internet? Okay, what else? Oh, but they had fax machines. Did they have fax machines? No. How about uh, printing presses? Not a printing press inside. Did they have planes? Did they have trains? Did they have automobiles? Ladies and gentlemen, would you take a look at the quiz? And by the way, congratulations, you answered them all correctly. Look at that. They had none of the above. And yet they explode across the pages of first century history. What is going on? They are not high-tech. They are high-touch. Do you know what's going on? All they had, young adults and teenagers and senior citizens among that early band of Christians, all they had was the contagious faith of an infectious heart that out of deep gratitude and love to the Lord Jesus Christ who has given His life for them. They said, hey, I got a mouth, I can speak. I have a life I can live. Lord Jesus, my mouth and my life are yours. Use me. And oh boy, did God use them. Fill it in right here in the study guide. Let's put that in so that we do not forget it. All the early Christians had was the, right in the word, contagious faith of an infectious heart with a mouth that spoke it and a life that lived it. That's all they had. No web, no TV, no technology. They were, they were not high-tech. They were high-touch. You know why? Because relationships are what mattered most. By the way, that's, that's still true. What matters most are relationships. Take a look at the phenomenal, explosive, epidemic, talking about the common cold, epidemic growth. We'll put the verses on the screen for those of you watching on television. But I'd like the rest of you, if you have a Bible, we're going to, in rapid fire sequence, going to go through and look 
at a growing story that Dr. Luke paints here on the canvas of a book called Acts. Open up to Acts chapter 1. On your study guide, all the texts are listed, so you don't have to scribble these references down. They're all there for you. Acts chapter 1, Jesus just before leaving us and his ascension, verse 8. Red letter Bible, the word should be in red. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look at this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, that, ladies and gentlemen, is not a command. You better be. It's an announcement. When I come into your life, you will be contagious. You will be contagious for me here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. You will be my witnesses. Did they become contagious? Whoa, just turn the page. Luke, I mean, um, Luke is writing here, Acts chapter 2, the last two verses of Acts 2. Uh, verse 46. Day by day, these are the new Christians now. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and they ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And get this, day by day, the Lord kept adding to their number those who were being saved. The contagion is spreading from house to house. That's how the epidemic is going. House to house. Have mercy. Take a look at this one. Acts chapter 5. Go over to chapter 5. Just turn a couple more pages over. Acts chapter 5. Drop down to verse 14. Yet, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord great numbers of both men and women. It's not just one gender responding to this contagion, the fragrance. Men and women. Great numbers. In fact... If you go over here to Acts chapter 6, you will discover, let's go to Acts 6, that this is not because more pastors are joining the church. This is not because we're getting more evangelists. Are you kidding? These are average people like you and me. These are the followers of Christ. And that's, that's why the church is exploding. Acts chapter 6, what is this? Verse 7. The word of God continued to spread and the number of the disciples. You see, that, that's just... Everybody in the pew. The number of the people in the pews increased greatly in Jerusalem. And get this, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Not because they had lots of evangelists, but because there were just lots of Christians and the clergy responded to the contagion. Wow. Go over here to Acts chapter 8. In fact, I'd like to put this one on the screen because it's the New Living Translation and I love it. How, how it uh, is expressed there. Acts chapter 8, this is verse 4, the, the New Living. See, Saul is furious that one of the deacons, by the way, not an ordained clergyman, one of the deacons named Stephen has defeated Saul in public. He has shamed that brilliant Pharisee and he is furious. Stephen is dead now, but Saul vows, I'm going to destroy the sect, I'm going to destroy the way. They were called the way back then. I'm going to destroy them. And because of Saul's activity, now verse 4 in chapter 8 takes place. But the believers, that's all the choir, all the congregation, but the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere contagiously preaching the good news about Jesus. And what happens wherever they go? Verse 4, verse four now verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. You see, some people think, you know what? I don't know. If I get into this thing about becoming contagious, a contagious Adventist, this is going to be a real drag. I mean, I'm just going to feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. 
Are you crazy? This is joy. I mean, this is, this, this is it. Great joy filled the city because of contagious Christians. By the way, there's one more text, and it's in your, uh, it's in your study guide. It's Acts 21.20. We won't put it on the screen. But the word there, it says, myriad in the Greek, myriads of Jews. We would say myriads, because our word myriad. The Greek word means tens of thousands of Jews are responding to these contagious Christians. The book starts, isn't this incredible? The, the, the humble little book of Acts starts with a handful of contagious Christians and explodes into a global epidemic by the end of the book. You know why? I'll tell you why. God loves to have contagious friends. Oh, He just loves that. It, 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 contagious friends have always been God's most successful strategy in growing His kingdom. Because an epidemic always begins with a little virus. I mean, Oliver, Pastor Oliver, that's how it started. It's just one little virus. Because he was having such a great Memorial Day weekend, the virus was able to stick to him. And when he came into our midst, he was thoroughly infected. And now, apparently others were ready. And so, boom, a little virus jumped off. Stick. You have to be able to stick. You have to find something that sticks. If you drink lots of water and vitamin C and all that, they won't stick as quick, but... You have to find something that sticks. That's how all viral epidemics work. In fact, I had the privilege last night of uh, worshiping with our business majors from the School of Business. Last night over in Chan Shun Hall, uh, had, a, uh, had a neat time. It was a privilege to be there. Uh, Scythe Vespers. And I got to talk to them about this book. Have you heard of Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point? How Little Things Make a Big Difference? It's kind of a nice book to share with business majors because it's How to Analyze Trends, Economic, Social Trends. Written by a young Gen Xer who is a staff journalist for the New Yorker magazine. The Tipping Point. It's a great book. But anyway, Gladwell has been studying social change and revolution and economic change and revolution. And I'm thinking spiritual change the whole time. I'm saying, I'll bet you this works spiritually. And Gladwell says, hey guys, if you will just notice from epidemiology, it just takes that one little virus. That person who is contagious... He said, I'd like to call that person the tipping point. Because if that person moves out into society and the circumstances are right, that one human being can boom, 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 create a, an economic epidemic, a social epidemic. One person can make a global difference. That's Malcolm Gladwell's point. You know, I'm thinking, you know, economic, okay, fine, social, fine. I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's exactly how it works spiritually. That's what the story of Acts is all about. Just a handful of viruses, but boom. And by the way, Gladwell says, you know what, we're gradualists. When it comes to time, we all think, well, you got one, two, three, oh, he says. No, that's not the way epidemics work. He said, I've studied epidemiology. Epidemics work by something, you mathematicians would know this, geometric Progression. You heard of geometric progression? He says, take a piece of paper or take, uh, take this sheet. I'm not going to fold it, but look, if I took this sheet of paper, our study guide, and I folded it in half, would the sheet now be twice as thick? It's not a trick question. Would it? Yeah, it would. Now, if I folded it again, would it be four times as thick as it originally was? Huh? Yeah. And if I did it again, eight and so on. Malcolm Gladwell asked the question in Tipping Point. He said, what if you took a sheet of paper and folded it 50 times? You remember that? Folded 50 times. How thick do you think that piece of paper would be? I went in one day to my prayer group. I'd just been reading Gladwell. I said, hey, guys, 
I want to give it. How, how, think, how thick do you think this page would be if I folded it 50 times? One of the guys says, three inches. I said, no. Another guy said, 10,000 miles. Nope. The answer is if you folded a single sheet of paper 50 times, it would stretch from earth all the way to the sun. 93 million miles thick. And if you folded it 51 times, it would stretch from earth to sun and all the way back again. Because it's geometric progression. That's exactly what is happening in the book of Acts. One, six, two, four, eight. Now you see, God loves to have contagious friends. And by the way, Malcolm uh, Gladwell says, you know what? The most effective way to achieve social revolution or even economic change, the most effective communication pattern. Well, let's put it up here. This is from his book, The Tipping Point. I thought this was significant. The most effective way. It is safe to say that word of mouth is, even in this age of mass communications and multi-million dollar advertising campaigns, still the most important form of human communication. Word of mouth. Look at this. Word of mouth appeals have become the only kind of persuasion that most of us respond to anymore. That's why they didn't have to be high tech in the beginning. They only needed to be high touch. They needed to focus on relationships. Just talk. 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 Tell them. Tell them. Let's fill that out in the... By the way, I don't want this to get biased. Let's fill that out in the study guide. Malcolm Gladwell, Tipping Point is concluded. It is safe to say that word of mouth... Write those words in, please. That word of mouth is still the most important form of human communication. That's what happened in the book of Acts in the beginning. You know what? That's what's going to happen with the church in the end as well. A generation of tipping points. Just a handful, comparatively speaking, of viruses that just go out and stick by word of mouth. Wow. Geometric progression. And by the way, in the early church, Paul finally... I know this is a little bit of holy hyperbole. But in Colossians 1.23, Paul finally says, you know what? This epidemic has been so great that every creature under heaven has heard about Jesus. Well, that wasn't quite true. But, you know, he's making the point. This thing has spread through the entire empire. No wonder God loves to have contagious friends. They are his tipping points for a global epidemic. So here's the question to wrap up with. Here's the question. Wouldn't you, be honest, come on, be honest. Wouldn't you like to become contagious for Christ this new year? I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, why would everybody say, no, 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 no. I, I thought it over. No, I, I don't want to be contagious for Jesus. What? What is the problem? Why wouldn't you? Of course. I mean, so that wherever I go, wherever you go, people become, can become infected. The people you study with, the people you work with, the people you live with, the people you play with. You, 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 you are so infectious with the faith and the hope of Christ that it just, it just sticks. Wouldn't you love to be contagious for Jesus? Wouldn't you? I would. I want to become a contagious Christian. In fact, I want to be a contagious Adventist. Christian, don't you? Yeah. And having a hunch, you do too. The leadership team here at Pioneer has begun to incorporate a new congregational value, a new corporate emphasis on becoming a contagious Christian, on being a contagious Adventist. And you heard Brian just a moment ago describe this brand new seminar, Becoming a Contagious Christian.
Karen and I, as I might have mentioned earlier, Karen and I are taking that seminar. I am absolutely delighted in it. It is so practical. You don't have to become a used car salesman to be contagious for Jesus. A lot of us think, well, that's what, a, that's what an evangelist is, just a used car salesman, talking people into what they don't want. You don't have to be. In fact, you don't have to be what you are not in this incredible seminar that is blessing me richly. You will discover a tailor-made to your own unique personality method of being contagious for Jesus. I'm telling you the truth. You have got to sign up for it. It is fresh. It is practical. And that little blue, that little blue brochure that you saw, I wish you'd fill it out. We want to make this available at the most convenient time for your busy life. So would you just circle on there when would be most convenient for you to take the seminar? We're going to do our best to make it available so you can take it. The day's coming when I believe the entire leadership team here at Pioneer will all become contagious Christians. I mean, I, I just want to say this to the leaders who are here. You're not a leader if you're not contagious. Because if you're not contagious, nobody follows. And if nobody's following, you're not a leader. You're a leader by position, but you're not a leader by practice. Contagious means it spreads wherever you go. And all of us can be leaders for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in tandem with what we're going to be offering and uh, we'll be announcing and you'll be seeing how you can become involved in these uh, in these seminars in tandem with that for these next few Sabbaths right here in the pulpit. We've got a brand new series. It's beginning today. The title of the series is put it up on the screen. The Contagious Adventist. How to share seven cheerful, attractive reasons why you are what you are. Before I forget, would you put that in the study guide, please? Put that in here in this new series. Now, did we do the last one? No wonder God loves to have contagious friends. You already knew the word contagious fit there, didn't you? No wonder God loves to have contagious friends. But the next line in this new series, you're going to learn how to share the seven. Would you write in the word seven? Seven cheerful, attractive reasons why you are what you are. Brand new series of studies. How to become a contagious Seventh-day Adventist Christian so that, hey, by the time this, this, this pulpit series is through, you are going to be able to share your faith. It'll make this kind of difference, I, I believe, in your life. You're going to be able to share your faith. In fact, let's put this on the screen. You're going to be able to share your faith in a buoyant, positive, logical, winsome kind of way. You're going to be able to share your faith by sharing with others the seven most important Bible reasons why you are an Adventist Christian. You're going to be able to share your faith, and I love this, without panicking. Oh, oh man, I've got to memorize a hundred texts. You're not going to have to do that. You're going to be able to share why you are what you are without that panic. And finally, number four, you're going to be able to share your faith out of a personal experience that comes from knowing Jesus. In fact, over the next few weeks. We're going to discover these seven reasons. And these are buoyant. These are cheerful. You will never apologize for these. You'll feel so good about being able to share these seven reasons. Number one, that's next Sabbath. Don't miss it. First things first. Those of you watching on television right now, just come right back to the station you're on. It'll be there next week. First things first, the most important reason why you are what you are. Don't miss next weekend. And then the next uh, Sabbath after that, seventh things second. You might be able to guess what that one is. Then number three, logically logical. You've not followed cunningly devised fables. Logically logical. Number four, spooked no longer. That's going to be a great one because the third millennial society 
longs to hear that truth. Number five, the best comes last. Number six, last chance again and again. And finally, number seven, fit as a fiddle. Another reason why you are a contagious Adventist. You know, I want to say, I want to say to those of you who are watching on television right now, you don't have to be a Seventh-day Adventist. In fact, you don't even have to be a Christian to, to uh, plug into this series with us. I believe that what we are about to share is not only going to be informative, but it will be inspirational no matter who you are. You say, well, Dwight, look, I can't get a hold of the study guides because, you know, I'm way out there and you guys all have these little pieces of paper. No, 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 no. If you're watching on television right now or listening on the radio, you can get these study guides if you will go to our website. Here's our website, www. Put it up on the screen for you. PM Church. It's the Pioneer Memorial Church, pmchurch.org. Go on there, click on for study guides, and you will have every study guide. By the way, that's good for... Uh, for college students on campus. Do you know what? We're getting 300 to 400 people a day visiting this site. Last week we had 40,000 hits. Just last week. It's going to go way up as this goes across the nation. If you're on campus and you want to click in what's happening, you can get the material right here at home. www, we know that part, pmchurch.org. I ask you again, wouldn't you like this new year to become a contagious Christian, a contagious friend of God's, wouldn't you? That's the whole reason why God loves to have contagious friends, because that's how God works. By the way, do you know why God loves to have contagious friends? I'll tell you why in closing. God loves lost people. Brian, I was really touched by that. In fact, we weren't going to have this. But I grabbed Brian. I said, Brian, I've got to have that picture. Let's put it back up on the screen again. Can you believe this, folks? This is in our Berrien County phone book. You found this this last week. They're advertising lost children. Take a look at that picture on the screen. William Majewski from Pennsylvania. And by the way, you can't read it maybe, but it says underneath, non-family abduction. That means not a divorced parent ran off with him. Somebody else ran off with this mom and dad's little boy. He has been missing since November 9, 1991. I want to ask you a question. Do you think there are two parents today in Pennsylvania who still have a hard time sleeping at night because their boy is still lost? Do you think they sleep real comfortably? You think they just go on vacation and say, well, what does it matter? We still got two. We still got two. Just one is missing. Ladies and gentlemen, if two human parents can grieve over a picture that gets shown in Berrien County, Michigan, a long ways away from Pennsylvania, do you suppose there is a parent in the universe today who himself says, I can't sleep at night anymore? Angels, you go ahead and sleep. I'm staying awake. Maybe he'll come home tomorrow night. Maybe that will be her knock tomorrow morning. The God of the universe. Who must have... I don't know how many milk cartons he has in heaven, but he has over six billion pictures on his milk cartons. Have you seen him? Have you seen her? I love, I long for him to come home where he belongs. You see, God loves lost people. That's what Calvary is all about. When Jesus stretched out His arms and said, I'm dying for the whole human race, it was to save and find the human race. Lost people matter to God more than anything else 
in this universe. The next time you see a milk carton or a post office picture, remember a parent in heaven who weeps over children who are still lost. The good news is, if he can just have a few, a few contagious friends, he's banking on being able to find those lost kids. I want to be one of God's contagious friends, don't you? The last line in our study guide, and might as well fill it out. Why does God love to have contagious friends? Because lost people, right in the word lost, don't ever forget. That's what moves the heart of God. Lost people matter to Him. And why does He want to have contagious friends? Because, final line, contagious friends are God's most effective strategy. Right in the word strategy. God has no other strategy. In your little world, if you say, God, I don't want to be contagious in this new year, God says, yeah, what am I going to do? There is no other strategy for your little world but for you to become contagious for Him. Oh God, help us please as contagious Christians to brighten the corners into which you will put us this new year. We do not go alone and we praise you for that. And so may the love of the Father and the sacrifice of the Son and the communion of the Spirit abide with us all as we journey into the year before us. Amen.